0: Straight up with no chaser, you're in the sports bar with Danger and
1: Bataglia on the Sports Leader, 95.7 FM and AM 950 The Fan, Rochester. Always great when we can catch up with the host of the Locked On Bills podcast, co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast, Joe Marino, joining us in the sports bar. Joe, uh, thanks for making some time for us here as as we know how busy this time of year specifically is for you as you're evaluating all the prospects, and we certainly want to talk about what could be ahead for the Buffalo Bills here in less than two weeks, but I wanted to, more, more than anything, get a sense for how you think this first round could lay out early on with all of the quarterback prospects and teams in need of quarterback. How do you think the board looks by the time that it gets to the 27th pick, assuming that the Bills are still there at 27?
2: Well, uh, thanks for having me on, guys. It's good to be with you. And I'll tell you what, Bills fans should be hoping for all the quarterbacks to be coming off the board, all five of them, if possible. Uh, That would obviously push some meaningful talent down the board for the Buffalo Bills. But yeah, I think that's the story this year with the draft, which is different from last year, where we didn't get a quarterback until The the Steelers, what was that, around pick 20? They picked Kenny Pickett. This time around, uh, I think you're going to see quarterbacks with the first two picks, uh, potentially a trade up to number three, another quarterback at four. I mean, you could see for the first time in the history of the league four quarterbacks going with the first four picks. And so that's going to dominate the early conversation with this draft and obviously that's helpful for the Buffalo Bills to push some of that talent down because we know they're not the quarterback market.
0: Yeah, as far as, and certainly a lot of Bills fans uh, would like to see a receiver, and you're thinking the Bills may be on day one or day two, but uh, linebacker is a need. So two-part question, Joe. Um, do you believe that actually, whether it's Dotson or Spector or maybe Bernard, what are the chances that the Bills actually have the answer right now on the roster as far as a replacement for Edmonds? And then part two, Um um, 27, if it's Campbell, does that feel right to you? Or do you wait and perhaps get somebody later and, and some better value? Your thoughts on how the Bills should replace Edmonds?
2: You know, what's interesting is is um, the approach here to linebacker for the Bills this offseason is pretty fascinating. Uh, and I obviously go back to the time in Carolina with Sean McDermott, where he had Luke Kuechly and Thomas Davis. And while he had those players... They drafted Shaq Thompson in the first round, and so a big commitment to linebackers, right? It was important to them. And then they gets to Buffalo. They find Matt Milano. They, they trade up for Tremaine Edmonds, and you feel like they got their pair of linebackers to move forward with. And then here they are. They draft, developed, and did everything but re-sign Tremaine Edmonds, who kind of came became the players I, I figured they would want, them, want for him to have become. Maybe it just came down to dollars, and you know the $18 million a season for Chicago uh, was, was more than the Bills could pay him. Uh, but – since Tremaine left, the Bills have done nothing, literally nothing at right. linebacker. And maybe maybe that's a signal to us that, well, they made this decision last year when they picked Terrell Bernard in the third round. Uh, because, I mean, not even, not even a depth move, literally nothing at linebacker. Um, and they haven't really been active in terms of hosting them for 30 visits, right? I've, I've tr- tracked that as best as I can, and unless we just weren't made aware of it, they haven't had any of these linebackers in for a visit. And I surely think if you're going to draft one in the first round and Uh, you know, make them the quarterback of your defense that you would want to spend all the time that you can with that player. And so, um, as much as I think it is the biggest hole on this roster, I think very clearly the biggest hole on the roster, the approach here has been really kind of confusing to me to really believe that this is the direction that the Bills will go. Now, I will tell you, if they do go with a linebacker in the first round, I'd want it to be Jack Campbell from Iowa. Uh, Maybe, ideally, you could trade back a little bit and still get him. I don't know. Uh, if there's going to be teams with a whole lot of appetite to move back into the first round, that could kind of make some things challenging there. but you know if you if you scout Jack Campbell from Iowa and say, "This is our guy, this is the right player to be the Mike linebacker for our defense i don 't think you have any hesitation about picking him at twenty seven and look had a great career at Iowa has great size and athleticism, you know six foot four two hundred and forty something pounds uh, really athletic at the combine Uh was a consensus all american this past year two time defensive mVP at Iowa. Uh, won the coaches Appreciation Awards, he's very accomplished in the classroom, he's training with Luke Kuechly, right? There's a lot of reasons to believe that the Bills will be in on him, and, and Sean McDermott has openly talked about the Iowa program as one that he likes and that um, it really prepares players well t- for the next level. So there's a lot of reasons to believe that this would be the type of player the Bills would be in on, but their behavior to this point uh, has made it a little bit challenging for me to really believe predictively that this is what's going to happen.
1: Joe Marino of the uh, Locked On Bills podcast, our guest here in the Sports Bar talking Buffalo Bills NFL Draft. Um, okay, so Joe, it, we haven't seen them do anything, so if you are somebody of the camp that would believe that they like what they have in Dodson and Bernard, let's focus in on Bernard because it was this time last year. I'm sure you were knee-deep in, in scouting uh, the linebacker out of Baylor. What, what do they have in Bernard, and, and is Bernard actually, in your opinion, somebody that could step up into the Tremaine Edmonds role in 2023?
2: Well, going back to when the Bills made that pick, I think it was, what, number 89 in the third round last year. It was a pick that confused me at the time um, because I scouted Terrell Bernard at at Baylor, and I saw a very athletic matchup linebacker, somebody that I thought would thrive in a pursuit-style role um And and really more the Matt Milano player, right? Not not the Tremaine Edmonds Mike linebacker. And I thought to myself, well, the one that's contract is up is Tremaine Edmonds. They have Milano signed, and so to, to me Terrell Bernard was more suited to replace Matt Milano than Tremaine Edmonds. And now here we are, fast forward a year, and Tremaine Edmonds is not around, and uh, it looks like right now at least if the Bills had to play a game tomorrow, it would be Bernard at linebacker in the middle, and. And Matt Milano, a linebacker outside of him, and I think you know there's there's some appeal there because I think you have two very athletic linebackers, uh, guys that can really win in space and run and cover ground. But uh, as far as downhill ability, you know, I don't I don't really see that from Terrell Bernard. He's not a guy that uh, has this, the the physicality or size or uh, really the block deconstruction skills to to really be a good downhill player as a Mike linebacker, especially in the Bills defense where it's only two linebackers on the field and. They're kind of penetration style and attack style up front and that second level's job is to make the first level right i mean it's it's kind of a confusing transition to me um and so you know the bills are are to me that's a tough way to make to to play defense with those two small linebackers if that's going to be your pair and so um i'm hopeful that something happens here because i would be very nervous about those two guys being my you know, every down players on the second level of the defense.
0: Joe Marino, the host of the Locked On Bills podcast, our guest. So, Joe, where do you come down right now on DeAndre Hopkins? I just believe he's not going to be a Cardinal. I don't know where he's going to play. So that's part one of it. It should be somebody, uh veteran that can step in. Now, it's going to cost you a little bit of money, of course. Um, but if the Bills go the route at pick 27 which receiver do you not only would think would be there, but perhaps more importantly, uh, would, would complement the other receivers? Uh, Diggs, Davis, Khalil Shakir. Who would be that uh, selection in your mind?
2: Well, to me, the the obvious player in the first round, if you're going to go with a wide receiver, is Jackson Smith and Jigba out of Ohio State. I think he's the one that most people look at as the consensus first-round receiver. And I have a lot of doubt that he makes it to pick 27 in yeah. the first round. And so, Um, That kind of turns your attention to the other options, and and that's where I look at the options and I see players I like. I like Jordan Addison. I like Zay Flowers. I I like those guys. I like Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee. But I don't know that they're ideally first-round picks. I think they're more day-two type players. And so I think the Bills may be well-served to wait on the receiver. That doesn't mean that I don't think it's an important need. Because I, I would love to see the Bills add, add more wide receiver talent, but I don't know that if it's going to make sense at 27 because if you pick Jordan Addison or Zay Flowers at pick 27, I'm going to be wondering to myself, well, how much of that player could you wait and get in the Josh Downs out of North Carolina or a Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma or a Tyler Scott from Cincinnati later on? And, and the NFL has been very kind to teams that wait for wide receivers. If you think about some of the best receivers in the game, they're all day two picks whether that's T. Higgins or Debo Samuel or uh, A.J. Brown or, or D.K. Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, these are all day-two picks. And I think the Bills, if they can't get Jackson Smith and Jigba in the first round, waiting for the receiver uh, is the right play, in my mind, even though, look, we can recognize it as an important need, but the draft's about value I think the Bills will be well served to wait on that receiver till day 2. You
1: know, along those lines, Joe, you know, we see the receiver market and it does what it does and and you know, the running back market has been very soft here this offseason. You've got a lot of good running backs that are still out there, running backs that want out of their current deal or want to get away from their team and and you've got Bijan Robinson there who everybody believes is is a first round talent yet will he be in the first round will he will somebody take him in the first round and I've seen some mocks that have the bills taken Robinson I I don't believe that the bills would invest a first round pick at running back but will there be a team that I don't want to say inherits that problem You're, you're going to get a talent but you're also going to have to worry about taking care of that running back down the road in five years
2: I think there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that Bijan Robinson's a first round pick and he's gone before the Bills pick at number 27. This is an absolutely special talent. And I'm not a big first round running back guy. That's not me at all. But I recognize what Bijan Robinson brings to the table as a do everything back, uh, with the right type of makeup to, to be a focal point of an offense in the NFL. And, you know, it's, it's one of those deals where, I mean, Josh Jacobs was the 25th pick in the draft. Najee Harris is the 25th pick. Uh, Travis Etienne was, what, 24 or something like that. There's no way that Bijan Robinson's not getting picked much higher than that. And I think there's plenty of teams along the way that make sense, whether it's Atlanta, who's picking in the top ten. You look at Philly, who's got a couple of first-round picks. Detroit's got a couple of first-round picks. All of those destinations make a lot of sense to me, and, and there's others as well. I just, it's just too good of a talent. This is a top-three player in this class. Uh, regardless of position. Someone's going to pick them and somebody should pick them.
0: Joe, running another scenario by you here, and and to do that I'm going to back up to last year because one thing that was talked about in the the spring practice is uh, the Bills want to run more 12 personnel. and We get out to training camp and they brought in O.J. Howard and then you realize real quick, oh, yeah, that's not going to work out, and, and it never quite happened. So everything that we read and we hear from you, there, there are tight ends here in, in this draft, certainly. And if if the Bills are picking at 27 and, say, a mayor or a Kincaid uh, falls to 27, is that a good pick? Is that a luxury pick? Do you see the Bills actually at some point running more two-tight-end formations?
2: Well, I got burned on this last year, too. You know, I, when the Bills promoted Ken Dorsey and, and brought in Mike Shula, I thought to myself, well, those guys were together at Carolina. When they were in Carolina, they had Jeremy Shockey and Greg Olson. 12 personnel was definitely a thing. And they signed O.J. Howard, and I'm like, okay, this is going to happen. And then it, it didn't. And I wonder how much of that is just because O.J. Howard didn't pan out. You know, if that was truly what they wanted to do. And maybe this year they, they come back around and look at the opportunity to get another tight end to really – pair with Dawson Knox to do this. Um, so if they're really going to embrace 12 personnel, I, I, could, I could talk myself into this being a really good idea um, to diversify your offense and, um, and get more big people on the field, which I think will help their run game. You know, I, I recently studied Gabriel Davis, and I was surprised how often they used him as an insert blocker, kind of like a, a number two tight end at so many different reps. And I thought that was really challenging for him. And so I think there's a number of ways where this could make sense. Um, but here's the deal. I mean, if the Bills pick a a tight end at number 27 and he plays 35% of the offensive snaps and catches 20 or 25 passes, is that going to be enough, right? Are we going to be having conversations next year at this time? Well, you know, the Bills didn't get value out of their first round pick because he he caught 25 passes. I mean, the Bills have been very reluctant with Josh Allen at quarterback to throw the football frequently with tight ends. I mean, they don't get the one that they're paying $14 million a year involved enough in Dawson Knox. So now we're going to, double down and add another guy with the premium asset and, and, and live in a world where, where we expect the tight end usage to go up. I, I have my questions about that. Um, and so I, I love the idea. I really do. I, I, I love it. But is there a path for this really being an opportunity for them to maximize that investment? The Bills have been targeting tight ends very, very infrequently over the last three years. And and unless there's going to be a real change in in what they want to do, I I have questions if that's uh, the right way to maximize this pick.
1: Joe, I have concerns about the Buffalo Bills defensive secondary. Hear me out on this. I mean, you're bringing back Poyer. You're bringing back Hyde. We, we know what they are, but they are going to be a year older and, and look, they're coming off of injuries, right? You, you you got Trey White, who didn't look like Trey White when he got back on the field late last year. You have last year's first-round pick, somebody that the coaching staff apparently doesn't trust as much as they trust trusted Trey White when they made him a first-round pick because they didn't make him active for a handful of games last year as well. So what about what about this defensive backfield here am I out of my mind should I be nervous is there is there something to expect here in the coming weeks that we could see the Buffalo Bills do to to bolster their corners or 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 am I just a a paranoid uh am I just paranoid based on what I saw out of Trey White here late in the season
2: well I I think you bring up valid questions but I I think that there's good explanations for them I mean Trey White working back from a significant injury and the first significant injury of his career, right. He's never been in that position. And, and so I think physically, mentally, right. All of that is a, is a lot to work back from. And then you're, you're in the middle of the season coming in and having to play, you know, you haven't been calloused up. You haven't had your normal ramp up to get ready to play in a season. And so, um, you know, I thought there was times later in the year where Trey White did kind of look like himself. Uh, the Miami game really stands out to me as, as an example of that. Uh, Chicago as well. I mean, I think there were some good examples late down the season. And and with another full offseason, certainly you feel like he's going to be back to form. Uh, And then as far as Kyer Ulam goes, I mean, it was always a big shift for him because stylistically what the Bills do with their corners is a lot different than what he was asked to do at Florida. And I don't know that I look at it as, well, they don't trace him as much as they did Tredavious White. Well, I think in 2017 that was a completely different defense than last year where they had – Dane Jackson in the fray, and they obviously drafted a player, Christian Benford, who proved a lot to them, who comes from a system in Villanova that was more like what the Bills want to run. And so uh, just from a comfort perspective, you could see why he got those opportunities. But then later on, you know, Kyrie Elam kind of was that guy. So um, talented young player, you know, I, I think that you'll learn more about him this year. But I, I guess I have a lot less questions than you do, but I can certainly understand uh, some of the topics that you bring up there.
0: I think it's a fun debate, Joe, like if you're going to say the needs here, one, two, would you say linebacker, wide receiver? It's either 1A or 1B. But what would be the third? For me, the third – I'm still saying offensive line. I like what the Bills did this season, uh, this offseason, bringing in Edwards from the Rams and McDermott from the Cowboys. I don't think that's enough. I'd like to see somebody compete uh, against, say, Spencer Brown at the right tackle position. And, look, I'm partial. Syracuse, uh, Matthew Bergeron, you don't have too many top talents in the draft chewed up like this. And he has that versatility that that the Bills do like. Just your thoughts on, you know, should the Bills – spend an early pick here, perhaps uh, on a tackle for competition, and could that guy actually be Bergeron?
2: Well, I think the answer to that really depends on what the team thinks of Spencer Brown, and I think there's some messaging there from Brandon Bean uh, about Spencer and some of his pre- off-season uh, press conferences that suggest that they're really in on Spencer Brown and that you know last year was a tough year for him coming out of a, a rookie season where he didn't play football the year before. And then in the offseason from year one to year two, he's rehabbing a back surgery and didn't really get himself ready to go until, you know, just a couple, couple of days before the season and, you know, kind of struggled through the year. Obviously an upgradable spot and an important spot for the Bills, right? An offensive tackle protecting Josh Allen. I, I can understand those that are nervous about him, but obviously I think the team's kind of, uh, believing in his development and that, you know, they can maximize on, on really exciting physical traits there. But, um, I'll tell you this, you want to bring up Matthew Bergeron, I love him. I, I, I have a very high grade on him. He's actually, uh, in my bill specific offensive tackle rankings, he's number three for me uh, behind Broderick Jones and Paris Johnson. I, I think Bergeron is, is, is a real stud. I mean, I love the balance that he plays with. Um, he's physical, he's athletic, just a very natural feel for angles. I think he's a real are going to be a really solid pro for a long time. And so um, I, I think he could come in and upgrade for Spencer Brown. I'm just not sure that the Bills are ready to um, to pull back on Spencer as their guy at right tackle.
1: Joe, uh, it's, it's your busy time of year. We know you're churning out and pumping out the content. We want to make sure our audience knows where they can get more of your stuff, what exactly you're working on here for the next couple of weeks, leading up to the draft and, of course, leading into OTAs on the Locked on Bills podcast.
2: Yeah, it's a it, Locked On Bills daily podcast on the Buffalo Bills, free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. Of course, on the Odyssey app, um, we, we crank out episodes every day. We talk Bills football all year long, so that's going on. And then, uh, if you're looking for more of my league-wide opinions, I have the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast, which is um, team building. We talk team building across the entire league, and so plenty of daily content coming from me if you're interested.
0: Joe, great stuff, and uh, really appreciate the time today. We'll be uh, we'll be listening uh, from now until the draft. Thanks so much.
2: All right, thanks, guys.
1: You got it. There he is, Joe Marino. You can hear him on the Locked On Bills podcast inside the Odyssey app, the Locked On NFL scouting podcast, as he mentioned. Uh, a good listen as well if you're a fan of the NFL and you want to see how your favorite team could be developing and building their rosters. Let me ask you the question. Okay, yeah.
0: so what is the third biggest need on the team? Right I'm
1: now? with you. I'm, I'm offensive line. Yeah. I my concern. I feel like I'm paranoid about the defensive backfield for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, you know, like the paranoia in me is like I, I can't come around on – on Trey White, based on what I saw late last year, and I know he's coming back from an injury, and I know he didn't get the reps early on, but he just didn't look like the same player at all. Here's my theory on this. Ready? They brought in Rap, and Rap.
0: I know Pro Football Focus, whatever. Da da da. He got good grades last year. Okay, wasn't the market for safety? I like safety? the Rap signing. So, what Rap does is it allows Christian Benford to stay at corner. That if 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 you what we're saying is like oh gosh if, if if it's bad for Tre'Davious White could Christian Benford actually take another step because to me Christian Benford was good last year what if he takes
1: another step then why would you put him at safety. You would want him at corner, right? Well, I, th- that's that's what's going to be interesting when we get to uh, training camp here later this summer to just see how they actually deploy Benford, and and I think you know it's not uncommon to believe that it wouldn't be an uncommon belief that they're going to invest in the defensive backfield at some point in the draft as well that they will draft a safety or they'll draft another corner. They should, yeah, th- in, at late in the late rounds, and and they, they absolutely should. So, I, I guess my concerns there start with the idea that you. you've got Hyde you've got Poyer we love those players we're emotionally invested in those players and sometimes when we get that emotionally invested we put our blinders up and forget to realize like yeah, they're up there. And yeah, Trey White, we love Trey White. But yeah, he did not look like the Trey White that we fell in love with late last season. There were a lot of bad penalties. There was a lack of physicality that I saw. J- just a lack of ability to mix it up the way you saw Trey White do it early in his career. And I really, really hope that he's not on the start of that down cycle, uh, the you know the life cycle of a, of a corner where you're not as physical as you used to be, even though you might have great technique. You just can't hang with wide receivers in the NFL anymore. Yeah, let's
0: see, because the ACL, I'm going to give him a pass on the last uh, six games last year or so, but it's certainly somebody that we want to watch here coming up. No question.
1: Alright, uh, coming up here in the Sports Bar, we're going to check in with Craig Hoffman, who is the host of the Hoffman Show on the Team 980. He also hosts the Take Command podcast, a commander-centric podcast. Mm. Lots happening in Washington, obviously, with Daniel Snyder selling the team. We'll get a vibe check from Hoffman and the uh, commander's fan base there in the district to see uh, what led to this and, and what could be next for the commanders. We've also got some takes on tap coming up here in the sports bar with I'll Drink to That.
0: Yeah, so uh, I've looked into the future. I have visited the future danger. It's two weeks from now, the day after the Bills' first-round selection. You know what people are going to say? Mm-hmm. Or they're saying, "I'm going to." spoiler alert. They're gonna hate it. I'll explain. Okay. And also, I've got uh, I have a gut feeling danger. So oh, to that's speak. gonna be a problem. Yeah, I just got a gut feeling uh, uh, on, oh, this, no. on this on this commander's story. Like, what's gonna be the next story that's gonna happen? And I think we're all gonna kind of just going to enjoy what's going to happen next. I'll explain.
1: We've got a six-pack of best bets to serve up next. Because
0: you're in the uh,
1: danger zone! I've got my favorite plays for tonight's uh, NBA play-in tournament games, uh, some NHL action to share with you, and also some plays in Major League Baseball. We'll get to all of that and more with I'll drink to that. It's next here in the Sports Bar, Danger and Bataglia. On the Fan Rochester, the NBA playoffs are here. The play-in tournament wraps tonight. You can turn crossovers into cash with with FanDuel, my Danger for FanDuel Sportsbook, official partner of 957 the Fan. Just visit fanduel.com slash Mike right now and place a five dollar bet. You'll get an instant 150 bucks in bonus bets back, win or lose. And when you win on FanDuel, the safe, secure FanDuel Sportsbook app, you get paid instantly. No better place to bet all the playoff action than on America's number one sportsbook. Just go to fanduel.com slash mike. Sign up to get $150 in bonus bets when you bet your first five bucks. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus and physically present in New York. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets. It expires seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com sportsbook. For help with a gambling problem, call 1-877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. Odyssey has sports for every fan. Keep up with your favorite teams from across the country and get the inside scoop from experts. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Odyssey.
0: Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court
2: of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. clock at four.
0: Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and be even be podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here.